Welcome to the Market Beautifully Podcast, a show where I offer marketing advice for lady entrepreneurs who crave to crack the code when it comes to getting noticed or expanding their brand online. I'm your host, Haley, and I can't wait to chat with you about what I have planned for today's episode. read the title of this podcast and thought what the heck Haley there is no way that a contract can actually be used as a marketing tool to convert more leads into clients or turn them into fans contracts get a bad rap I know that contracts can be intimidating on both sides but Christina has a different outlook on contracts that is backed up by her many years of legal experience and working with clients she believes that you can use contracts to create loyal clients and position them in a way that draws people in instead of scares people away pretty powerful stuff right she has an amazing story about going from being service-based business to hitting that six-figure mark as a product shop owner it is so inspiring to see how she did it and I cannot wait for you to hear this story as well as how to use contracts to make a positive impact on your client experience so let's go chat with Christina together hey Christina welcome to the show Hi, thanks for having me, Haley. I'm so glad you're here. Now, I know you have an amazing story and you started off in this legal realm and you have brought this over to the creative entrepreneur world to make our lives so much easier, which is awesome. So where did your story start? It really, that's a really good question. I feel like I took such such a circular path. Uh, So I I did start in-house as an attorney there. I got hired out of law school, which was kind of weird. Like most people go into firms. I went straight to a company, which is just what in-house means. And I, um, from there, I, I started to have a lot of health problems mm-hmm. and I was just in this really bad place. I'd been working full time, going to school full time. I graduated, I took the bar, I'm working at this company and everything was just kind of piling up. Um, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> burnout as we commonly know, it was hitting me hard. And that was when I decided I needed a change in my life. I needed to do something different because if this was what my life was going to look like, which it was. If this was what it was going to look like for the next 10, 20, 30 years, that was not going to work for me at all. I like, I I was about to, you know, crawl out from underneath my desk and go live in a box because Mm -hmm. that would have been better. And I just happened to stumble upon a woman named Kelly Newsom. Now her name is Kelly Newsom. It looks like Georgia's. It's some French last name I can't pronounce, but it just looks like Georgia's. And she became a mentor to me. Um, She was an attorney turned yoga instructor in Washington, D.C. She now lives in Provence, France. Can't say that right. But yeah, she she's amazing. Um, But she really took me under her wing and was a good mentor to me and taught me, you know, about being a yoga teacher at the time. But really, it was about maintaining an online business. And, you know, she introduced me to newsletters and she introduced me to blogs and like all these things that we take for granted. Right. But, you know, we forget that people in the corporate world or people who have never been introduced to this stuff before don't know what a newsletter is, right? Like, or right. they they maybe are on some newsletters, but they don't understand what the point of, or purpose of them is in their own life um, as they're entering this business world. So that was really helpful. And as I started to try to make this entrepreneurial path of being a yoga teacher work, which it was not, (laughs) we can talk about that if you guys want, but it was just not working. It was like every door was slammed in my face. Um, I just kept trying. I kept blogging. I kept, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I learned about Pinterest and I learned that I know this sounds so basic to you guys, but hopefully this is an encouragement for where you're at. I learned that graphics 
that you pinned to Pinterest from your blog are helpful. So I started creating more graphics. I started creating more engaging graphics, more engaging titles for my blog posts. And that was when I started to see some traffic to my website. Not a lot, still no clients. It was really a hard time because all I wanted to do was like make it, right? Like right. using air quotes. Like I just wanted to be someone to somebody. Um, I wanted to be their mentor or guide or yoga teacher. And finally, I, I was getting a little bit frustrated and I started blogging about legal stuff because I missed it. Right. <laughs> um, I just, you know, it was what I'd done for the last, I don't know, like it had been my whole life for whatever, six years before that mm -hmm. or something. And that was all I was ever focused on is trademarks specifically, but, mm -hmm. you know, legal stuff in general. And so I started blogging about that. All of a sudden, the traffic to my blog, I don't want to say exploded because that wouldn't be fair, but it definitely hit a very high point compared right. to where it had been, right? Like instead of seeing 30 visitors per month, I was seeing 700. Awesome. So yeah, like still not a lot, but you know, something. So I was like, right. oh, this is like a thing. I will do more of this thing that is working. Right. And around the same time, I attended several creative conferences and workshops and just kind of like retreaty type things. Mm -hmm. I had learned a lot more about graphic design at this point. I was like, I really like graphic design. Like, oh, people are doing this as a freelance type business. I could do that. I had started to get into calligraphy and I was like, I'm not great at it, but I was decent. So I was like, well, if I practice, I could get really good and do this for a living. Um, you know, the yoga thing isn't really working out, but maybe I could try a different angle knowing what I know now about blogging and graphic design and all that other stuff that you learn in the process of becoming an entrepreneur. And then, you know, on top of that, I'm actually a professionally trained floral designer. I learned, all, you know, I took classes in college and graduated with just not like a degree or anything, but a certification in it. And so, um, I know all about a cabana and like all these different kinds of floral yeah. designs. So I was like, maybe I could be an asset to somebody who has a floral design shop. So just having like a lot of these experiences being in conferences, workshops, and, um, at the same time, going to a Rising Tide Society meetup, the Tuesdays Together meeting, October of 2015, believe it or not, was all about contracts. And I was like, oh, I'll just go, you know, whatever. I won't tell anybody I'm an attorney. And my whole plan was just to, like, sit back, listen, like, see what kind of blog topics I could get for my, like, weird yoga, nutrition, whatever it was, blog. They were talking about these contract issues, and I was getting really frustrated because some of the things that they were saying just were not making sense to me, or they were confusing different concepts, or it just wasn't a productive conversation that was happening. So finally, after I'd introduced myself as a yoga teacher, I had to, like, re-out myself as this attorney in the group. And once I did that, the floodgates kind of opened, and... I think I was there for four hours. People were just asking me questions. They wanted to know different, um, you know, answers to problems that they'd had. They had like every scenario under the sun that they presented me with. And at that point, I really was like, this needs to be a thing. Like, I don't know if there's anybody helping people doing this yet. And I later learned there was, but it was like in different kind of niches. Right. Um, but I was like, I need to fill this because whatever's out there is not fulfilling what what these people need that's awesome so from there from the rise tide society you figured out okay there's a need for this i have so many questions and first of all how awesome is that for your blog <laughs> there's like tons of blog ideas right there um, right <laughs> so now that you know this is a need where did you go from here like you think okay there's a need now you filled it in such an awesome way 
I feel like most people would go into the service service realm. Did you go there first? Yeah. So that was actually, I take that back. No, I started creating contract templates right away. So okay. the first template I created was a wedding photographer contract template because that was everybody at that meeting was right. a wedding photographer basically <laughs> um, and a calligrapher. So those were actually, I think my two first templates and from there, people had asked me if they could work with me and, you know, just like, I know this sounds kind of crazy coming from an attorney, but just like any small business owner, I was like, oh crap, I have a real business now. Like, what does that mean legally? What does that look like? Right. Because in law school, they teach you all these concepts and theories. They don't teach you how to set up an LLC. They don't teach you how to, um, you know, make sure that you have business insurance or that you are operating correctly or that you're filing your taxes pr uh, properly. So it's really kind of funny because I had to go through all the same things that everybody else goes through where I'm like Googling, what is an LLC? Like, do I need an LLC? All this stuff. And now I'm like very proficient at all that because I've done it so many times, not just for myself. Um, and I should full disclosure, like that wasn't my first time forming an LLC. I'd actually had two businesses that failed before we even got into our conversation today. So I'd had businesses, I'd set that up, but I had to like remind myself Right. If I'm actually working with people in a legal capacity, what does that mean? So I had to go and I set, I had to set up like lawyers have all this other stuff they have to set up and I hadn't worked for myself before. So I had to go find out what all that was. So I had to get trust accounts set up because we can't just have regular checking accounts. I had to get special malpractice insurance, which surprisingly a lot of attorneys still don't have, but their loss um, because I was doing intellectual property work. So I had to go and get all that set up before I worked with people in the service-based realm, which is why I only worked with a couple of people that were really close friends until about February of 2016, sorry, yeah. First products and then services, but I will say I was really excited about launching the products and nobody bought them until January of 2016 when I did the first Rising Tide Society webinar ever. And that nice. was when things started to take off. That was when yeah. people were like, oh, an attorney for creatives, that kind of thing. Nice. Okay, so your products. So how, how much, like, did you, whenever you started, I guess you're kind of new to the market. So did you start off, like, pricing-wise? I'm just kind of curious. Did you start off low? Like, how did you learn how to price that? Because that, that's hard. <laughs> I feel like pricing is such a hard issue. Yeah. Well, at the time, my hourly rate was $250 an hour, which is pretty normal for an intellectual property attorney and, um, you know, working for themselves. Right. I've now bumped it up to 350 an hour. So at the time I was like, well, it takes me this long to create this contract template. And this is what I think it would be worth to somebody. This is what I think it would save them as far as money. And then Kelly, the, the mentor that I was talking about earlier, she had taught me to price my services in a really intuitive way. So she has this way of pricing where she, asked, we go, we went through this exercise with, with my yoga services and I did the same thing with my templates where I was like, okay, what would be too high? Like what would be a number that just feels totally ick and I would not feel confident selling them. And so I asked myself like, is that a thousand? Yeah, definitely. Well, is it 750? Yeah. Still icky. 500? Still icky. And then as I started to approach 400, I was like, no, that's, that's Okay. So then I was like, well, what's the bottom number that I would just feel totally gross about? So, you know, $25 for a contract template. Yeah, right. that, that feels pretty crappy. 50 still feels pretty crappy. 100, mm, not comfortable yet. 150, okay, we're getting somewhere, right? Like that's 
still affordable in the right. 150 to 400 dollar range that's that's affordable for people still as they're starting um, i mean an llc itself is 100 bucks in most states and it's not so affordable that it's going to you know kill their business dreams right like right. if you spend 400 dollars on something and that's killing your business dreams i think we have a bigger conversation <laughs> that needs to be had but um, so I decided to price them out of the gate at $150 and I put them all on pre-sale because I only had two written. <laughs> right. And the problem was I knew I was doing this webinar. Davey, who co-founded the Rising Tide Society, called me up and he's like, hey, it's great. We have like 1,800 people signed up for this webinar. Here's me who's like never done a real webinar before, right? Like I've done some Facebook type stuff or like some yeah. other little small group type stuff. But um I hadn't ever done a webinar, so I was really nervous, and I was like, oh my gosh, 1,800 people, this is going to be crazy, and it was kind of funny because remember how I was telling you, like, I just wanted to make it, like, I just wanted right, right. people to, like, have something to lean on me for, well, all of a sudden, be careful what you wish for, because now it's right in my face, um, I don't think anybody could ask for, for more, you know, an 1,800-person audience, like, right out of the gate, basically. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. And I know. And it was great. I mean, I did, I did sell a lot of templates on that webinar. Um, it was a very soft pitch because I, I didn't know how to sell at the time, which is another topic I'm passionate about, but, um, it was a very soft pitch. It was like, Oh, Hey, thanks for watching. And by the way, if you need a contract, here's, I just had my name at the time. So it was Christina Scalera.com and thanks. Bye. You know, like Q and A oh, that's time. It. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. That really is a soft pitch. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was purely like, here's my oh. website. And I can't even tell you, I got flooded with emails that night. And one of the best emails that came in was, um, a course that I had signed up for the previous fall called the modern calligraphy summit. Ashley Kelly had emailed me. <laughs> you should have her on the podcast. She's amazing. She had emailed me because I mentioned something in the beginning of the webinar about how I'm a horse mama. And uh, she's like, I had horses growing up. And I was like, oh, my gosh, here's Ashley Kelly emailing me. And I'm, I was just I didn't know how to respond. And I think I waited like three days to respond. Because <laughs> you're like, I just need to freak out for three days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now it's funny because we're really uh, good friends. And that's awesome. A business thing. Yeah. So it's it's really funny. But um, but yeah, at the time I was like freaking out. I was so not prepared for anything that was happening at this point in my life. <laughs> as you can tell. And um, yeah, and then that led to like the collaboration with the Modern Calligraphy Summit. And, you know, I had this contract template for calligraphers and it just, it was like a really natural hand in hand. Um, it was, it was just, it's really funny. I guess I wanted to talk about that because it highlights the difference between the yoga business, which mm -hmm. I tried, like when I say I tried everything, I think I tried everything short of like you know, flailing around in public and like begging people <laughs> to work with me, you know, like I, I tried yeah. everything that was possible um, and nothing worked. Like literally I got nowhere. And then all of a sudden here's this thing that I'm barely trying to make a, a thing in air quotes again, and it's just working. Right. So right. it's been very organic and it's felt very natural so I think if there's anybody out there that's like, I am not doing this, it's not working for me, ask yourself, like, have you really exhausted all the possibilities? Have you like done the things that you're maybe like very humbled to do and put yourself out there in ways that you didn't think you ever could, uh, a la asking people to buy your stuff or services? And if that really, if, if that has happened for you uh, and you're past that point, like maybe it is time to try something different and move on to something that does happen organically like this because it will it will happen when it's like the right thing right yeah I love that 
So now that you have your, your products, you've done your really soft launch on your webinar. Um, so now you've kind of taken on services, but from there, what exactly happened? Because I know that from this shop, like you had, I feel like that might have been like an aha moment, you know, like, oh, I have branded myself now and you know who you were, who you're meant to be. So how did you scale that? I feel like you have kind of a pretty good foundation set and now it's time to grow and scale your business. So how did you go about that? That's a great question. And that's actually one I've been asking myself a lot lately is like, all right, because I, I actually just feel like I have figured out this business thing like lately. I don't feel like I've figured <laughs> it out at that point. Um, at that point, I was just looking for every collaboration possible uh -huh. and looking to make friends with as many people as I could in the industry just so that I could be, um, you know, somebody that they thought of when, when somebody asked right. them a legal question. And that was really my scaling plan is just to like make friends. Right. Um, Good scaling so, plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it, it worked out pretty well. I did a lot of um, bigger collaborations in 2016. I worked with OneSweat. I created a course with them um, under their If I Made brand. I created um, a portion of the Modern Calligraphy Summit Bootcamp. I um, I worked with the girls over at uh, Abigail and Emily over at the Strategy Hour mm -hmm. slash Think Creative Collective. I worked with them and created a course module when they had a membership site still. Um, I yeah, I worked with Rising Tide Society a lot. I published a lot of content for them. I did four webinars for them. Um, I did, I think, one or two webinars for HoneyBook. I worked with HoneyBook on some projects. Um, I was consulting for them as far as, like, legal stuff when it comes to their community and templates go. Mm -hmm. um, not really, like, their internal community or uh, company dealings, but... So I, I did forge a lot of different collaborations that, um, you know, I just kind of didn't think was possible in my own head. <laughs> and that was my scaling plan. And then, um, you know, in June of last year, I was just completely exhausted, overwhelmed, didn't know what to do. And I hired Sarah O'Malley and she is a graphic designer. That is my OBM slash brand director, whatever you want to call her. Basically she's how I clone myself. Um, and this is, you know, I hired a couple of VAs before I hired her and I thought, you know, that would be, the direction to move forward in is like everybody said, get VAs, get VAs, like VAs are cheap, VAs will do all the work for you. And what I found was that, yeah, that would happen, but I still had to like tell them what to do. And yeah. So yeah. what I had to do instead and what I do with any company or brand that I'm starting now is my first hire is always some kind of brand director or project manager or like OBM is what they're commonly called now, an online business manager. And that's basically the person that I'm like, okay, here's what I want to accomplish. Go figure out how to do that. And so Sarah is like, oh, we need a contractor for this, or we need to hire a graphic designer for that, or this needs to get done by this date. Sarah just makes it all happen. But, you know, she's also a very talented graphic designer. So she's been able to help out a lot, um, you know, as far as like designing sales pages or stuff like that. So yeah, I love Sarah. <laughs> that's fantastic. So you started from that webinar launch and then you grew to six figures, correct? How long did it take you to scale your business? Because that, I mean, that's awesome that you got to leverage all those connections. That's amazing. So it definitely makes sense how you scaled. And that just shows the power of collaboration. I think getting to know people and networking, that's a huge power to that. I feel like a lot of people don't take seriously. So how long did it take you to get to that six figure mark? Yeah, I so I want to be clear because I did get to the six-figure mark in both my companies, 
but that's in revenue. That's not in profit. Yeah. And I did want to just like clarify that because I think yeah. a lot of people say six figures and it's great. And I definitely could have been a lot more profitable, but I am kind of an anomaly for an attorney. I'm very not risk averse. And so I'm willing to try different things. Right. Like I just tried Facebook ads and mm -hmm. the company that I used, I think it just didn't work out with them at all. Um, and you know, that was like a $7,000 sink. Right. So oh, wow. I think, yeah, that I could have been a, a lot more profitable in the past, you know, almost two years now. Um, had I been a little bit more risk averse and grown slowly, but my plan has never been to embrace slow growth. It's always been to grow as fast as possible. So right. if you are out there and you're like, this sounds horrible, Christina, I don't want to be in your situation. Go read the book profit first mm -hmm. and don't do what I did. But if you want to have many sleepless nights and grow as fast as possible <laughs> and uh, basically pay yourself minimum wage, then I would encourage you to pour every penny you have back into your business. And that's a personal decision that right. I made. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, and I'm okay with it, you know, because I, this isn't a business that I wanted for a year or two. I didn't want to like start this and then have kids and mm -hmm. meander along. I, I want to work and I wanted it to be big within five years. So we're still on that track. We're still doing that. And you know, the, the kind of seeds that we've planted are sprouting and it's, it's been really exciting and fun to watch that. Um, so, you know, if anybody's looking to make six figures in revenue, I think actually putting your product out there or your services out there. That's when things started changing for me is when I was like, because it's, and again, I know this is like so duh, but when I had the yoga business, I didn't have any products and I had services that I wasn't asking anyone to buy. So I wasn't making any money. Right. But yeah. when I had the contract shop, which is what it's now called, when I had the contract shop, I was putting it out there. I was trying to collaborate with everybody I knew and I was trying to get the contract shop in front of their platform um, and so that they could you know, show their audience what this was and the audience would purchase it. And my law firm is actually a separate company from the contract shop um, for obvious, well, maybe not for you guys obvious reasons, but for attorneys, it'll be obvious reasons why that's separate. Right. The contract shop obviously sells information and templates and doesn't give legal advice, whereas the law firm's more done for you, gives legal advice, that kind of thing. So. Right. Anyway, um, so the law firm has actually been a lot more profitable just because there's no overhead over there. It's just mm -hmm. myself and I have another attorney um, and then a, an associate attorney. So it's just the three of us that are working over there. And, you know, if if they're working on something, I, I'm the only one. Well, I'm not the only one, but I, I only do trademarks. And then my associate and my other attorney work on uh, contracts or just licensing deals or other other kinds of things that are billed hourly. So I'm working on a flat fee, they're working hourly, so it works out really well. So as far as like profitability, that's been easy to scale on that mm -hmm. side of things. The contract shop has been much more difficult because I think there's a steep, steep learning curve in developing any kind of content that or product that connects with an audience. But once you find that, you just have to continue to put it in front of them. Mm -hmm. So I think hopefully that answers your question, but if you have like follow-up questions, I fully expect that because that was kind of confusing, I think. No, no, that, that definitely makes sense. So you went from that first webinar launch and then you scaled to six figures with... Profitability-wise, like I said, I pour every... And I'm still doing it to this day. I'm pouring everything that I can back into the business. And I think that's amazing because I feel like a lot of people don't do that because risk is scary. And, you know, 
I started doing, and you know, I think it's really funny. I can definitely relate to when you were talking about your yoga business and how there was no products to sell. And I went through that too. I went through maybe seven months of my business, and not this business, another business. And I looked at it and I'm like, man, this is just not a profitable business. And then I just looked at my business model and I'm like, yeah, because I'm not offering anything. Like it, everything's free. What am I doing? Right. It's like that <laughs> dumb moment, but you get yeah. so caught up in the grind and the work and you know, all like you get caught up in the weeds. And I right. think that's why it's important to hire a VA. <laughs> that way you can see the big picture and think, okay, what the crap am I doing? <laughs> I need to fix yeah. this. I think the change for, well, one, one thing that changed for me is I got desperate, right? So yeah. if you're in a cushy place, you have to either make it, put yourself in a desperate situation, which I, I did subconsciously <laughs> by spending too much. Right. And I was like, right. Oh shoot. Like I have all this debt from this yoga business. I need to pay it off. Right. Let's sell these contract templates. Um, so I think being in a desperate place is actually a really good spot to be in, which there's probably people throwing like sandwiches at their radio right now, listening to this. But, um, <laughs> I think if, and from what I've seen, cause I, I do some business consulting as well, like very, very, very limited. I only take on two clients at a time, but um, from what I've seen, if you are in a cushy place, you will not be successful because you're already comfortable. Right. So you need to put yourself in a desperate situation. I'm not saying go into debt. What I'm saying right. is like, you need to create some kind of desperation in your life where there's a void that you need to fill. So right. whether that's maybe having a kid, so making enough money that you can take a six month maternity leave instead of a normal, like one or two months yep. as a, as a business owner, um, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about here. Or, you know, you really don't like your living situation and you want to move, you want to get a different apartment or buy a house or whatever it is. Like that's right. the kind of desperation that you need to inject into your life to make mm -hmm. your pursuit, not just worthwhile, but like something that happens sooner rather than later, yeah. because, you know, it's one thing to know your mission. It's one thing to know who you're serving. Maybe you have some kind of philanthropy mission. Um, I think all those things help. But I really think that if you are, if you've got that fire under your high knee, like yep. you're going to do it. So Having an attainable goal for sure. Yeah. And even putting it, I know a lot of people talk about vision boards. And even if you don't want to do a vision board, putting it on your bathroom mirror, putting it wherever you can see it and say, you know, in six weeks or however long I want a new house or I want to right. do this. And then you have to make it happen. And I like your ambition, Haley, six weeks to a new house. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should have expanded that time frame. Guys, in six weeks, I'm going to buy a new house. <laughs> it's on my bathroom mirror, so it's going to happen. No, I should have come up with a better example. Um, but you get what I'm saying. Oh, no, so <laughs> I do. I understand what you're saying. And, you know, it's funny because once you get started and once you get going, this ball is going. Like six mm -hmm. weeks to a new house is not out of the question. I have a client who many of you probably know, and um, I can't say what she's generated in terms of profit, but – I mean, for her, like every launch she does, she could probably buy a new house. I don't know. But um, that was because she took the time and built an audience first. Right. And, um, you know, she she sold to that audience along the way. So she wasn't kind of this the silent partner to that audience, because if she was, they wouldn't have bought so fervently from her. But at the same time, like she did build that audience by giving them more quality content than she did sales pitches. Right. Yeah. I, and I think that's amazing. And I think that's why it's so important to leverage content that's strategic, even if it's a podcast or a blog or a YouTube, whatever it is, get an audience for sure. I love that. 
So your products are mainly contracts, and I did see that you did a website audit where you go through to make sure their website is up to date on legal standards, but for the most part, it's contracts, which is really awesome. And I feel like there's a lot of power behind a contract, so I wanna know how do you give the client the best possible experience through a contract, and I feel like there is kind of an art behind it, and I know you do it so well, so I'd love to hear uh, your input on that. Yeah, I am so glad you're asking about this because it's it's so funny that you're asking about this. I have been, since I started this yoga business, I knew that the client experience was going to be what set me apart from anybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one thing that, it's actually my mission statement. So I'm going to read you the, the new contract shop mission statement. Our mission is to preserve and improve the special relationships you work so hard to cultivate as an entrepreneur. We know how hard you work to earn every penny, follower, and friendship, and we believe in a solid definition of these relationships through your contracts because that sets a trustworthy foundation no matter how much or little experience you have. And that was a mission statement that I crafted. It just like kind of came to me, like, mm-hmm. you know, one of those moments. I'm not super woo or anything, but like sometimes I just have these things that I cannot stop what I'm doing and write them down. So I had to do that. I had to stop. I had to write it down. And I talk about client experience. I feel like until I'm blue in the face, like people are probably sick of me talking about it, but it's so so important. important. Mm -hmm. It is. It's the only thing that you have in your business. If you do not give your clients a good experience, you do not have a business because your clients will not come back to you. They will not make referrals. And y'all like, do you know how expensive it is to get new clients? Oh, yes. I mean, I've, I've actually, for my law firm, my service-based business that has clients, right? Like the contract shop has contracts and products, but it doesn't have clients. Um, For my my law firm, I have never had a website. I've actually only had like one page on the contract shop that's like, hey, you need a trademark? Like, come here. And I've never done advertising. Like, I've never put myself out there and tried anything. I've never spent any money. It's all been referrals and word of mouth. And I honestly, like, I'm ashamed by my client experience. It's something that I've been actively trying to improve and and, and make better um, over the past, like, six months. You know, I didn't have a client magazine, which if you don't know what those are, I would definitely recommend you head over to Megan Martin's site and check those out. Um, it, I didn't have, like, any kind of welcome gift or package, right? So, like, I'm not spending any money. Like, right. that's not what I'm doing at this point to create a good client experience. But what I am doing is, like, when a client is really upset and I can see that they're struggling financially, I give them a longer payment plan or when a client, um, maybe, I I mean, I'm human too. If I made some kind of mistake or there's been a miscommunication. So for example, one of my trademark clients wasn't getting my emails. I just waived a giant portion of her next fee because I was like, this isn't fair to her. And this is a problem on my end, even though I didn't cause this, this is my email server's problem. It's still my fault as the service provider. So like those are the kinds of things that I I just like am knee jerk, give them what you know like what would I want in that situation? What would make me whole? What would make me feel better? Right. Um, because those are the clients that come back for more and more and more and more work, and they're the clients that go and tell their friends about this amazing attorney they found that their friends should work with too. So the incredible thing about referrals is that. I don't have the exact statistics in front of me, but if you guys go look up referral statistics, like word of mouth marketing statistics, they will blow your mind. So you're spending all this time on Instagram. You're spending all this time pinning. You're spending all this money on Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. And the cheapest, most effective form of marketing that you have is already in 
your HoneyBook account or your client coffers, you know, like whatever you have that you're managing your clients with. Um, it's already there. It's your clients. So they're, they're your greatest asset. And so if you don't treat them well from the beginning, if you give them a contract that's like un, that's like super biased and one-sided towards you, first of all, it's probably not valid. And second of all, it's going to make them very um, wary of you. They're not going to trust you. They're not going to just basically start off on the right foot with you. So why not start with a great contract that they can actually understand, that you can explain to them because it's written in plain English. And that is basically just a reminder about the relationship that you're forming. That's all a contract to me is. It's just a definition of what the relationship is, how that relationship will be carried out, right? Like they'll owe you payments of X amount on this date. Um, and in return, you're going to be delivering X, Y, Z to them by such and such date, right? Mm -hmm. So like that's the relationship and that's the core of what your client experience is. And that's why it's the one thing I really believe, obviously I'm a little biased, but your contract is the one thing I believe you can't skimp on in your business. One, because first of all, like templates are super cheap compared to lawyers. And two, this is everything, right? Like this is what you will refer back to if there ever is a problem. This is what you will reference if, um, you know, you work with them again, you can go back and look and see, okay, I charged them this much for this much, but you know, my rates have increased since then. This is what you can, um, use kind of as a scapegoat. If something ever does go wrong, if the client maybe isn't the best client and they're blaming you for something, you can go back and look at your contract and say, well, actually, you know, like you, you put this in there, you agreed to this, right. um, instead of you being the bad guy. Now your contract is the bad guy because right. they agree or they're the bad guy in their own minds because they agreed to it. Um, so I think, you know, that's that's what a contract is to me. So having a contract kind of reminds me of this toy box analogy that I like to use all the time. I have a five-year-old nephew, and he's just like, you know, a five-year-old disaster. <laughs> he's like a little mosquito <laughs> that comes through. Yeah. And his toys will be scattered everywhere, all over my parents, his grandparents' house. So what we do when he goes to sleep is we pick up all those toys and put them in a toy box, right? So, like, they're not it's nothing like magical. It's something fancy. But then the next day when he's like, Oh, where's like whatever, whatever toy we can go to the toy box and we can dig through it and find it. So your contract is kind of the same way because you don't know it maybe at this point, but you will in a second, you have all these messages scattered everywhere, right? So somebody messages you on Facebook and they say, Hey, Haley, I really want to work with you. I love your work. Let's work together. And you're like, great. Email me here. And then they email you. So then they're like, okay, how much does it cost? Like what's included, blah, 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 blah. Right. So you outline all that and that's in your email now. And then they're like, I'm confused. Let's set up a phone call. So you set up a phone call and you have this phone call and you go over, you maybe clarify a couple more things with them. Okay, so now you have a Facebook message, an email and a phone call. This is a lot of different communication that you've had with this person. And this is totally normal, right? Like this right. is how we do business. So then when it comes to the client relationship, if you're proceeding without a contract or if you just kind of duct taped a contract together from Google or got it from like maybe some attorney that's just kind of trying to make a buck or something like that, it doesn't have everything that you need. The toy box is, is missing some, some toys from it. Um, and so what we want to do is we want to collect all those toys that you're creating with the people, all those messages, all those communications. We want to make sure that they're all included in that contract to define that relationship. Um, so instead of having, you know, scattered toys all over the living room, now they're in this one night, nice, neat toy box. So the analogy would be instead of having a Facebook message, an email, a phone call, a zoom, a Skype or whatever, 
um, all of those communications are now included in the contract. And if you ever do need to go back and look for something, you know exactly where to go, right? Like if, if the client cancels, which is going to happen to you, it happens to every single person. Somebody can't fulfill the terms of the agreement. They move on. They have a different business. Unfortunately, people pass away. They get sick, like whatever it is, we can anticipate those things and account for them in the agreement ahead of time. And that in turn gives your client a better experience because now they're not walking into the situation blind. That's the number one reason why people are not booking with you. It's not your prices. It's not because, um, you know, they didn't like you. I mean, those are all reasons why, but the number one reason why people I've seen, uh, fail to, to engage me in, in services are because, and I've obviously changed this, but like the, the number one reason they fail to engage me is because they're scared and people get scared and they don't want to work with you because they don't understand the process or they don't understand what's included. There's some kind of missing element and there's fear around that because they're spending money with you and they're afraid that they're not going to get what they need. Right. Yeah. I'm really glad that you brought that up, Christina. And I think that there's a lot of power behind that specifically. And I want to mention, I did see an article it was like Monday, maybe it was a few days ago. Anyways, I saw this article, no, it was last week, about a photographer who got her business reputation destroyed. And she was a wedding photographer from Dallas, and she had just a really solid business. And she had been a photographer for 14 years or something. It was like a, a really long time. And um, and this couple didn't get her their images or something within the time frame that they thought, but they signed a contract that said once you sign, or once you decide on your album cover, then I will send you your images. Well, they didn't decide on an album cover and they kept putting it off and putting it off and she sent their emails and she had documentation for that. And they just decided they didn't want uh, to pick out their album cover for some reason, some weird reason. Anyways, they destroyed her on social media. They made a viral video. I mean, it destroyed her whole reputation and they said that they were or she was keeping their photos from them and that was not on the that was not the truth at all and she had it in her contract though and so whenever that went to court uh she actually won a million dollars and her contract was really solid she had documentation to back it up and their signature was on the contract so not that you're gonna get sued and you're gonna go to court and win a million dollars but if she didn't have that contract she would be in a lot of trouble and now she has a million dollars to at least tide her over until she gets her business back up to where it was again and get her reputation back. But how powerful was that? Yeah, for sure. There's so many situations and horror stories that we could talk about where, you know, if you go back to the contract, they're protected or they don't have a contract and they really wish they did. Right. And it's just something that you have to get set up basically once, revisit it, you know, mm -hmm. maybe once mm -hmm. a year if you can. I try to do it, you know, I try to encourage my clients to look at their contracts twice a year, um, especially in the beginning stages of your business as you're developing and growing pretty rapidly. You know, like once you're into like year four or five, six, you you probably encountered a lot of the situations that you're going to ever encounter. Um, and, and you're pretty established doing what you're going to be doing. But in the beginning, right, like you're changing. You're a graphic designer one week. You're a web designer the next week. You're a you know, now you're adding web development and right. SEO to your packages, right? So that's when you have to go back and look at your contract pretty frequently and make sure that it's still up to date with your changes. Mm -hmm. um, but no, you're totally right, Haley. I, I remember this. I don't remember exactly all the details, um, but I do remember hearing about this. So I, I had heard about it at an earlier stage in this process. So I'm really happy to hear that the photographer seems like she got it resolved. Right. Um, 
you know, I'm sure the reviews were taken down and I hope so. Ho- hopefully <laughs> she's able to recover. But, um, but yeah, I do remember that. And I think I remember actually somebody contacted me that knew her and I, at some point I think I saw that contract because someone shared it with me and they were like, Hey, my, not that I'm like involved in this at, at all, but, right. um, sometimes people just like send me things and I try not to look at them. <laughs> And then, uh, so I, I think I really remember that, but that was, that was a while ago, wasn't it? That was like last year at some point. I'm not sure. I saw the article on Facebook last week. Someone shared it in a Facebook okay. group and I was like, that is really interesting. And I knew we were going to yeah. have this interview. So oh, that's funny. of course I read the article and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I, and I, I want to say it wasn't, I know it wasn't her, but it was like one of her friends that contacted me and had like the same contract as her like it was really interesting because a a bunch of them banded together and hired her attorney because her contract was really good or something I don't remember but um essentially we had a long conversation about it so I I don't remember all the details of the situation but I definitely remember the situation I remember kind of the fallout with the other photographers in the community because my parents are based in McKinney Texas which is basically Dallas and um so I'm connected to a couple of photographers there and yeah that's that's an interesting case though yeah (laughs) Well, I'm glad she won because I feel like a lot of times it goes the other way around. So that's good. Um, I do feel like there there also is a lot – there's such a negative persona around a contract in general. I feel like there's just kind of – I don't know. I don't, I'm do so glad you're this? talking about this. Yes, yes, I get what you're saying. <laughs> okay, so that's how do we – the number one thing. Yeah, so how do we yeah. leverage, like, contracts and, you know, to actually turn it around and have our clients become fans of our business – through right. the contracts we have them sign. I guarantee, as you're listening out there, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I, I'm afraid to send contracts because I'm it's afraid scary. the client's going to read it and not book. Yeah. And that's really scary, especially as you're starting out and every single client matters so much. Uh, yes. I am right there with you. I get it. You know, I was there in my yoga business. I remember it's, and it's funny because I like, I'm an attorney and I'm happy to admit that I had these same fears, right? Like as I sent contracts to potential clients and they didn't book, I worried like, was it my contract? Was my client or excuse me, was my contract too long? Did it not make sense to them? Did it scare them off? Right. Like those are all the questions that I had and went through and experienced so viscerally that I, I totally get it, which is why I've crafted all the contract templates in the template shop, the contract shop to make sure that they are not scary, that they're, you know, not these super long 18 page contracts that I had that I was sending to clients. Um, and so I think there's a couple things that you can do to kind of get rid of those fears. One of them, as I said before, is communication and information. Mm-hmm. Every single legal dispute you will ever see in your entire life boils down to two things, communication or miscommunication, I should say, and money. So I'm not talking about criminal law, that's different, but like if a client ever has a problem with you, it's going to come down to some kind of miscommunication. They thought they were getting something and they didn't or and or money. So that's what you're looking at, right? So now that you're like scared someone's going to sue you, if you can get rid of the miscommunication, if you can get rid of, um, you know, figure out the money thing and make it really, really clear to your clients, we've, we've gotten rid of that, right? So I think the number one thing that you can do is to explain to clients what your contract means if they have questions about it invite them to ask you questions instead of you know just kind of crossing your fingers and hoping they won't Um, making it part of a bigger process which is why i'm an educator for honeybook and why i've worked with them so closely because i don't just send a contract i get to send like a proposal and it's beautiful and it has an invoice and it has a message and you know there's like all this other stuff attached to it Mm -hmm. 
so it's it's part of the whole experience. It's not just like right. a contract that they're receiving. Right. They also get to sign it electronically, which I think is really important because first of all, I don't think anybody should be signing paper contracts. I hate paper contracts. I don't like signing them. Mm -hmm. I don't like storing them. I don't like when somebody sends me a PDF that I have to print and send back to them. It's a pain. And it's, in my opinion, less secure because I can track someone's IP address to their house at a certain date if I ever needed to and say, right. yes, they signed this. So, you know, I, I think making it easy for them to sign using something like HoneyBook, I think making it clear as to what they're getting and you know, if, if you always have questions about a certain provision in your contract, addressing that like head on from the beginning saying, here's why this is in here and here's how it benefits you client. I think that can do a lot to allay that fear, get rid of that fear with your, your potential client. Um, and then, like I said, making it part of the bigger client experience, right? So this shouldn't be the first thing that they're receiving from you. You shouldn't just get an inquiry, send an email with your contract and your pricing and just cross your fingers and hope they book, right? Like, they should have some kind of introduction to you. And I'm a really big fan of a phone call or like meeting in person first. Um, I travel all the time. So a phone call is the only thing that I can do. But, you know, you as a service provider need to give them that opportunity to talk because a lot of people just want to be heard. They want to be listened to. Yeah. So if you can give them that opportunity to talk, you can address some of the things that they're scared about head on, right? So if they tell you that they're scared that um, – they're not going to get their website done in time if you're like a website designer. You can say, well, in my contract, I break down the dates when everything is due from you so that you know that you can get it to me on time. Um, so you don't have like the situation that you're talking about where the couple didn't get back to the, the photographer in time. Right. Um, and then in the contract, it also addresses when I get things to you. It also addresses, you know, your payment due dates. So like those are the kinds of like, you know, that clients are going to have fears about the process and the payments. Those are the two biggest fears that I've seen. So just lay all that out in plain English. And even though it's stated in your contract, it doesn't hurt to state it two or even three times if you have like one of those client magazines from Megan Martin that I'm talking about. So I think presenting this as like a, a bigger part of their experience and always making sure that you frame any answer that you give them about the contract, as long as it's truthful, truthful right? Like that's why I rate my contracts so that it's fair to both both sides because it has to be truthful, but framing it in a way to tell them why something is in there for their benefit can do a lot to get rid of those, those fears around the contract. Yeah, that was a fantastic answer. I, <laughs> I love it's that. Not scripted. I was actually wondering if I was just rambling at some point, but <laughs> no, no, that is such a fantastic answer. I love that. I think there is definitely a lot to say about that and using your client as part of the overall experience, like you said. Like, you know how we always talk about having your customer experience and they go through a certain process. Like, this is just part of it. It's not the scary part. It's the thing that protects not only you, but it protects them. And this is just another way to protect your client and make them feel cared about and know that, hey, I'm a pro. Like, I'm really good at doing what I do and that's why I want to have this to protect both of us and, but also make Make your contract friendly and there are certain things that you need in there that makes them set up those expectations i feel like you know this isn't even a business this is like marriage you see this in friendship you see this everywhere if you don't set expectations correctly things fell you know that that's just what happens so by setting these expectations in the contract it it'll just blow up what you've already set and have a foundation for love yeah it? for sure thanks for <laughs> echoing that <laughs> yeah yeah i love it 
Well, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we've covered so much. I love your story and I love all the contract advice that you've given us. It's been amazing. And I feel like I need to go back on my contracts and review them and look over them and make sure, you know, they're all up to date too. So thanks so much for just giving away all of this awesome information. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm happy to educate and happy to answer any questions. If you guys have further questions, um, I'm really accessible at thecontractshop.com mm-hmm. or at christinascalera.com. They'll both direct you to the same place. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. I'm active there at christinascalera dot, or not dot com, but just at christinascalera. <laughs> and I have, as many of you know, like, you know, I have a second account that doesn't get as much love, but it is at the contract shop. Yeah. <laughs> so we're working on that. We'll give it some love. But um, yeah. if you guys want to give it some love too, I'd, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so go to at the contract shop on Instagram and go give that some love. But yeah, Christina Scalera. And how do you spell your last name? That's a good question. It's like an escalator, right? So it's uh, my name is Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. And then the last name is Scalera, S-C-A-L-E-R-A. But okay. it's so weird that if you just kind of like, Half Google it, you'll get there. <laughs> awesome. Good to know. So half Google the last name if you don't know how to spell it. Perfect. For sure. Okay. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. And go look at her website and then go follow her on Instagram. Thank you so much, Haley. I appreciate the opportunity. 